You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey everybody, welcome to Easter Sunday. Happy Resurrection Day. I want to start out with a confession. My yard is kind of sad. When we moved in about 15 years ago, the yard exuded a sense of peace, primarily because it had about 30 trees, not quite what you would call woods on that two-acre lot, but certainly it had a woodsy feel and a little, small, sometimes dry branch of the Skiback Creek cuts through it. And I've written hundreds of sermons sitting in a chair looking out over the lawn and the trees. And I still enjoy the view, but things are not going so well for my lawn, mainly because of this little pest called the emerald ash borer. It turns out that almost all of those 30 trees in our yard were ash trees, and now, thanks to the ash borer, most of those trees are dead. And we've cut down a few, and we've managed to prolong the life of a handful through some treatment, but there are a few uh, dead trees still standing in the yard. And uh, recently, one fork of a tree fell in high winds, and on a Saturday recently, I wanted to go out and cut it up with my chainsaw, but I have to admit, I was a little scared. It was so windy that day, too, that there was a real danger that dead limbs could have fallen on my head. My yard is bad, and in some ways, it's a picture of what is wrong with so much of the world. God's original plan was a place of beauty a place of cooperation between God and his creative power and humanity and our capacity to work within that beauty, to make something of it. But something's messed up. What should be living and green is plagued by death. But thankfully, we still get glimpses of beauty in nature, even in my yard that's so messed up. And those glimpses of beauty draw us back to God's intention for us to dwell with him in beauty. You might ask, what in the world does this have to do with Easter? Well, it has a lot to do with Easter. So much of what happens leading up to and in connection with the resurrection takes place where? In a garden. In John 18, 1, just before Jesus' death, we find him praying. It says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. See, we find Jesus before his death in the garden of prayer. This wasn't just a moment to pray when he was in need. It was a common practice. The very next verse tells us that Jesus often met there with his disciples. In Luke twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, it says that it was usual for Jesus to go to this garden for prayer. And we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus often met with his father, his heavenly father, in a garden. In a garden. And though this particular time of prayer before his death was one of anguish, I would imagine that meeting with the father in a garden represented meeting with God in a place of beauty and peace. It was a place of deep spiritual connection. 
And it was a place, think about it this way, that garden was a place of connection between earth and heaven. Luke 22 tells us that Jesus met an angel in that garden as he prayed. Now, this was God's plan for all of us to meet with him in a place where heaven touches earth, where we could commune with God. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2.9 says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Notice that, pleasing to the eye. In the garden, in the middle of the garden, were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15 of that chapter in Genesis says that our job in that place of beauty was to work the garden. God had a work, a job for us to do there in the garden and to take care of that. And we see that God connected with, met with, communicated with Adam and Eve in the garden. And you were made for this purpose too. You were made for this purpose on earth, this connection with God. And every glimpse of the beauty of nature reminds you of what you're made for. That's some of the appeal of a, uh, of a great vacation, whether in the mountains or at the seashore. There's something in you that desires to connect with God. And when you see the beauty of creation, that connection gains so much more potential to be made in our lives. The garden is a place to meet with God. And so no wonder Jesus regularly met with his disciples in a garden. And no wonder he goes there during this time of anguish before going to the cross. Unfortunately, the garden of prayer for Jesus became the garden of betrayal for Jesus. John 18 verses 2 and 3 say, Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. So we find now Jesus in the garden of betrayal. Judas betrays Jesus here in the garden. And I want us to think about this. Judas had a privileged connection with Jesus. Jesus was one of the 12. And it's so hard to believe that he would undermine not only Jesus, but he undermined himself in the way that he betrayed Jesus. And there's something of a truth about all of us in Judas. I think there's a little bit of Judas in all of us. See, we all have a penchant for throwing away the ideal, throwing away the glory of God, throwing away our connection with Jesus for something lesser. We turn the garden of prayer, the garden of connection with God, into the garden of betrayal. And it's been that way from the beginning. It started in the Garden of Eden. This garden of purpose and relationship became the garden of rebellion. Adam and Eve, thinking about it, were in an ideal setting, a beautiful garden. They had access to a loving God, could meet with him in the cool of the day. And then along comes, not the emerald ash pour, but the serpent suggesting that things could be, oh, way more ideal if they would just ignore God's commands and embark on their own self-improvement program, that they would seek self-improvement some other way. And as a result, Adam and Eve lost access to the garden. 
The same devil who enticed Adam and Eve shows up and somehow convinces one of Jesus' own disciples chosen to be one of the 12 who had walked with God again here on this earth. And John 13, 27 says, as soon as Jesus took the bread in communion, the Last Supper, Satan entered him. And as a result, it became a lost garden for us. That's a theme. And, you know, we're still crying as human beings, as humanity. We're crying out for what was lost. When I was a child, we lived a good ways from my grandparents and maybe saw them only two or three times a year. And some of my best childhood memories were visiting family, aunts and uncles and lots of cousins in Mississippi, where both sets of my grandparents lived. There was always some sadness in leaving them after a visit, but there was one occasion that changed everything for me for the longest time. For some reason, I don't remember why, we took a passenger train home, probably from Memphis, the largest city in Mississippi. I know it's not really in Mississippi, but we took it from probably Memphis back to Paris, Tennessee. And I remember looking out of the train window as the train was leaving the station and seeing my grandmother standing on the platform waving goodbye. And for some reason, that image became one of the saddest experiences of my life. I remember sometime later sitting in class in first grade and that image of my grandmother on the platform waving goodbye came to mind and I just burst out in tears. I was so embarrassed about it. I, I didn't tell the teacher. I wouldn't even tell my parents. And I know it was perplexing to both of them. Why, why is Eddie just crying like that? And that happened more than one time. For months after that, every time we went back and visited my grandparents and it was time to leave, that image would come to mind and I would just burst into tears. There was a sense of pain and loss that I just couldn't shake. Did you know that the same is true for all of humanity, you and me, regarding what was lost when we left the garden? We lost a place of great beauty a great relational connection with other human beings and with God. We lost a connection with a love that is purer than the love of any parent or grandparent, and that is the love of God. We lost that connection in the way that God intended for it to, to function in our lives. Naturally, we try to get back what we have lost, right? And early on in Scripture, we see how humanity tried to reproduce what was lost. How? By building a tower, the Tower of Babel, probably adorned with gardens. That's what we know about ancient architecture there in that part of the world. We tried to build a mountain of God, a garden of God. And really, so much of what we do in life, so much of the motivations to, to achieve or to get something or to satisfy some inward desire that we can't quite put our finger on is a feeble and hopeless attempt to recreate the paradise that we lost. Paradise is lost. Adam and Eve had a couple of self-help plans, starting with fig leaves. The builders of the Tower of Babel had a self-help plan. Do you think Judas had a self-help plan? I think maybe so. Do you think maybe Judas thought he had a better way than God could come up with? So, he betrays Jesus, and the garden of prayer becomes the garden of betrayal. And we next find Jesus, where? In another garden, the garden of death. 
John 19, 41, after Jesus was crucified and died, it says, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Let's talk about the garden of death. God had said to Adam and Eve that if we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we could eat from any other tree, but if we ate from that tree, we would surely die. And now Jesus dies and is buried in a garden tomb. Jesus had taken upon himself the death that humanity owed, the death that we brought upon ourselves. In some ways, we should have died then and there, right there in the Garden of Eden at the moment of our rebellion. But God had a plan better than any self-help plan that we could come up with. We could turn the garden of prayer, understand this, into a garden of betrayal, a garden of death. We could do that. We're good at that. But God can bypass our self-help plans. And he can bypass the death that results from our self-help plans. And then God can do something else with this very same garden. In John 20, beginning with verse 11, it says, Now Mary, Mary Magdalene, stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 15, he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was, what? The gardener. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Do you realize what has happened? The very same garden, the garden of death, has become the garden of resurrection. And this garden theme is not accidental. Notice Mary even believes that Jesus is the gardener. Again, not a coincidence. This is a purposeful continuation of the garden theme that is not just here in John, but that Scripture itself begins with all the way back in Genesis. Notice that Jesus emphasizes to Mary that he's doing what? He's going to ascend to heaven, to the Father. And he's already told us in John 14 the reason that he's going. He told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus died He was raised from the dead, and he ultimately ascended to prepare a place for you. You who are listening, to prepare a place for you. And let me ask you, what kind of place do you think that's going to be? Think about this. Here's a hint. The story of Jesus begins in a garden when God promises to Adam and Eve that he will send a Savior. They don't need a self-help plan God will send a Savior. That's promised early on, Genesis chapter 3. 
The mission of Jesus is fulfilled near and in a garden when he dies on the cross and is placed in a tomb. Jesus' ministry is powerfully culminated in a garden when he is raised from the dead, giving hope for all of humanity. And what do you think we see in the very last chapter of the Bible? Huh. I bet you figured it out. A garden. A garden. It's actually a garden city. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. John says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, that's Jesus, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. <laughs> what was broken at the Garden of Eden is now restored. Verse 3, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. That's what God created you for. From the initial beauty, and then the pain and loss of the Garden of Eden, to the loss and then the victory of the Garden of Resurrection, to the Garden of Paradise, where there's no pain, no sorrow, no death, no loss. That's the story of the whole of Scripture. In his book, Heaven, Randy Alcorn explains, all our lives we've been dreaming of the new earth. Whenever we see beauty in water, wind, flower, deer, man, woman, or child, we catch a glimpse of heaven. Just like the Garden of Eden, the new earth will be a place of sensory delight, breathtaking beauty, satisfying relationships, and personal joy. You're intended to experience this and you can experience it by putting your faith in Jesus. This is God's will for you. No other plan, no other effort, no endeavor to try to help and save ourselves to restore what's been lost is going to work. No human effort, no religious effort will avail. Only Jesus. Jesus, he, he's the true gardener. Let, let him really be the, the one who shapes and molds your life. Recognize that all these desires, sometimes we can't put a finger on them. We can't really explain why we have these desires that we can't control and so often lead us into actions and activities and, and courses in life that we, we regret. They have their root in this desire to have restored what was lost. You were made for fellowship with God, for fellowship with Jesus. Would you say yes to him today? Let this Easter, this resurrection day, be the best day of your life, making the best decision you've ever made, and that is to say yes to Jesus. Just pray this prayer after me. Say this, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I believe Jesus died, he was raised from the dead, and he is Lord. Forgive me of all my sins and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for receiving me as your child. I'm yours, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, you've been born again. If you prayed it from your heart, something 
fresh and new is happening inside you right now, and you'll never be the same. I encourage you to stay with us. Someone's going to come and share with you some very important next steps. We want to connect with you. Email me, Pastor Ed at getvictory.net. I would love to hear from you, pray for you, and believe God for his very best for your life. Happy Easter. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.